I'm Dory. Hello, Dory. And uh, well, well, I don't, I don't think I've ever eaten a fish. <laughs> Hi, that's incredible. Good Dory. on you, mate. <sighs> I'm glad I got that off my chest. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, um, we are back and, and we are in the peak of spring mode. Weather's warming up. It's baseball season is heating up and uh, things are getting a little bit crazy for us. <laughs> yeah, we're in like the sprint mode of both you getting your season up and running and me being in the thick of a brand new job. But this is I've been looking forward to this all week long so that we could get back to this because this is our escape. This is what we love to do. Sure is. And, yeah. and we're taking things in a bit of a different direction this time. Uh, we've been in the music realm. We've been in the Disney animation realm. We've been in the film realm. Uh, a lot of Disney heavy. So we decided to make a little bit of a pivot. And as you can tell by the name of this bracket, we are going to be talking the funniest Pixar character. Uh, these are mostly all from the films. Uh, some of them have appearances in some of their Pixar related spin-off series. Uh, I'm very excited to get into it because we have some newcomers to the bracket with our... Uh, Turning sure Red do. having just come out. Uh, if you're part of Jerry's gang, you just listened to the Turning Red review. Uh, I hope that Chris and I, I don't know, because we haven't recorded it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but by the time this comes out, you will, have, you will have heard it and maybe we both agreed on it. I don't know. So uh, <laughs> let us know how you like that one. But we got some newcomers to the bracket, but we have a returning guest here to help us decide who this funniest Pixar character is. It is Eva. Eva, welcome back. Thank you guys for having me again. I'm so excited for this bracket. Uh, Good. It's, I mean, Pixar, come on. Remind me of what was the bracket that we had you on last time? Uh, it was the most beautiful Pixar scene. The truly beautiful <laughs> Pixar scene. Perfect. That was it. Yes. Perfect. So we're, we brought you in with the the gorgeous the animation talking about the setting and the feeling. And now we're getting into some of the funniest with a bracket full of what can seem to be poop jokes uh, when you yeah. go bracket by, person by person here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're obviously a big Pixar fan. I remember you telling us that uh, not only do you have friends at the studios, but uh, that you, I believe your dad worked at the studios for, for a moment. Am I misremembering that? Worked in the year. The studios, and Got that's it. I guess where I was like in awe of like what happened there because I had no idea, and I was just like, <gasps> and then I found out, and I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. I that's right. That thing like a lot. What the heck? So that's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, who's your favorite Pixar character? Not even funniest. Just who's your favorite one? That is something that I think about so often because <laughs> I always ask my friends, "What's your favorite Pixar movie?" And then they're always like, "Oh, I can't decide," or whatever. And I think for sure. 
it's woody woody is my favorite um i don't know i just had like a connection with him when i would watch toy story and toy story is my favorite pixar movie so that's that's my guy that's my little cowboy dude you and know? oj you're you're loving yeah. the ogs out here og movie og character i love it all right well before we go any further we've got a little mouse madness tradition to settle the spoonful of sugar kyle what's in your cup back in the bay area yeah, I got a Bay Area brewery. I'm not going to do a cocktail on this bracket. Just did not have enough time. So I'm I'm doubling up on some beer this time around. And I have just a, a classic Anchor Steam Lager. I've had this on the show before. I think it was in glass bottle form. Uh, but mm. this is just Anchor Steam San Francisco Brewery. It's their lager. It's tried and true. It's delicious. And I am happy to be bringing it back on the show. Chris, Mr. Arizona himself. What are you sipping on over there? You, you already know, sir. <laughs> you return. already know what I'm sipping on. The return. The return for another bracket. It is from Grand Canyon Brewing Company, the Kachina yes. Throwback Ale. I mean, this is just a, such, such a strong beer. You know, it's it's light enough that makes it easy for me to drink, but it's got enough flavor for people that maybe prefer something hoppier to enjoy as well. And it's also got a little nostalgia in, in in the design of the can it's got yeah. some sports in it that's the phoenix coyote i guess arizona coyote soon to be tempe coyote <laughs> beer um and i love it and i and I, I hope to bring some back for you to drink kyle Did, I can, can so. you take beer on the airplane how does that work then you got to put it in you to a uh, a checked luggage ah uh, so so do you have to like put it inside some type of like spill proof or like leak proof? I don't think so. I think you can literally just put it into your luggage and check <sighs> it so that it's in the uh, the carry. the. the but undertow. doesn't it get super cold like underneath the airplane? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've never been doesn't down there reach, during a like, flight. Sub, it, <laughs> it reaches like sub-zero temperatures. Like all your clothes are freezing cold when you like pick it up. But don't they transport like pets and stuff down there? Oh, yeah, that is true. The pets would not like that, huh? No, no. So something tells me that that's also temperature controlled. Otherwise, they would just have things freezing. I got it. I can rest easily knowing that my beer will be handled with the gentleness and humility <laughs> of a pet. Got it. Yep. Kachina sure. oh, Ale yeah, is totally. coming to you soon. Ah, I cannot wait. <laughs> okay, Eva, what are you drinking today? Like the complete opposite of what you guys. I actually think I had this when I came mm. on the first time. I have a matcha latte in my mini cup. My mini oh, mug. Perfect. Mini mouse mug. <laughs> also because, like I said, I'm getting over a cold. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah, return to the matcha. We need to have it's the matcha latte. It's like at least it's not just tea. You know, got to spruce it up a little bit. Sure. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. A little extra. Yeah, Love why it. not? Why not? Well, every bracket needs a demographic that we must survey to um you know field our 16 finalists for the bracket um and and we went with a a very topical kind of recent demographic Kyle what was it How, did either of you watch the Oscars this I did uh, not this watch the Oscars I was at Lou Malnati's pizza with my grandma <laughs> oh was funny I was grandma. actually dropping off my grandma Oh, okay. So, so. grandma time on a Sunday. Uh, <laughs> yes. I did not. I, I did not have grandma time on Sunday. I watched the Oscars because I was told that we were going to get a the first ever live performance 
of we don't talk about Bruno. And I said, you know what? That would be really interesting to see how they pull that all off. Uh, I hope that the cast comes out and sing. And if they don't, hopefully it's, you know, some big stars and it's a, a cool cover and a different rendition. If Will Smith had not smacked the out of Chris Rock, Encanto would have been on the hook for being the worst part of that show. Oh, no. It was so bad. Oh, no. Um, all besides uh, Meg the Stallion showing up and adding a new verse to the song. Love Meg. Whoa, this is wait, not what? her fault. This is not her fault. This is Disney's fault. It was just a awful, awful rendition of that performance. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. Uh, Chris, it's on par with the Little Mermaid live no, on stage. No, perform- no it's way. just not. I don't good. believe I, you can't be that I, bad. I promise you. I promise you. But so people were talking about it all the way up until Will went on stage. <laughs> and so it was easy to find this demographic. We found folks who hated the Encanto Oscars performance because most everyone did. Uh, besides those who were praising Meg. So we went to them and we asked them, or I guess the interns did, did a little DMing, asked them who they thought the funniest Pixar characters were. Uh, and they gave us a whole bunch of them, which we had to narrow down to 16. And we did, which means that a few did not make the dance. Chris, do you have any that missed the dance uh, for this bracket? Oh, yeah, I have a ton of, I mean, Pixar does such a good job creating very real characters. And yeah. when I was a theater kid in high school and we were in our improv unit, the advice was don't try and be funny. Just try and be real. And people will think that that's funny because ah. they'll kind of associate your actions with things that they recognize. And then that will incite laughter out of them a lot of the times. Yep. Um, it's why like, uh, it's the whole Michael Scott going to improv class thing. Like he's the, he's the opposite of that. Like he goes in and he just tries to do way too much. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, I'm glad that Eva brought up Woody. Uh, I think Woody is one of the funnier Pixar characters out there. He's just yeah. that super relatable guy who, if you're a, just a little bit curmudgeon-y, you can see a lot of yourself in Woody and be like, I, it, it, I would experience the same frustration as he would in this <laughs> yes. situation, you know, in, yeah. in a situation where it seems like everyone's drinking the punch, like no one is being logical about any of this. Um, and seeing some of his reactions are just so funny because they're so real. So, yes. so I am actually very sad to, to not see Woody on this bracket. Another one for me that I'm surprised isn't on here is our, is our boy Mo. A little, a little boy Mo from Wally, who, um, oh, no. you know, he's just, he's just trying to clean up a mess. Yeah, that's and, another and relatable it, character, and that's right. why he's, he's funny. Just, just kind of frustrated. I mean, he was on our little, he was on our best Disney robot bracket for a reason. You know, like he's a, he's a short king Mo. Short um, king Mo. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, his like his anytime he's on screen, like it's a funny kind of physical comedy bit and uh i like that a lot about mo um also welcome in a movie that it is not particularly funny sure um and there aren't a whole lot of other funny characters in wally uh kyle what about you yeah i have two and they're both from finding nemo the first one is similar to what you just brought up how there's a lot of humor and relatability and for me, the first one is Marlin from Finding Nemo. 
The fact that he's an unfunny clownfish to everybody else, but it's because he's so grounded in real life is just hilarious to me. And just the the ways he has to react to the nonsense that's happening around him at all times. He has a goal and he knows what he needs to do to get to that goal. And there's all these outside factors that are keeping him from doing so. And it's just so funny to see how he reacts and how he navigates and the things that he says, especially to like dealing with Dory. Uh, and and how he needs to get her back on track or or distract her. He he's just I think he's hilarious. And then also on the other side of that spectrum is the outlandish character, the the quirky, bizarre character. And it's Deb or Flo or both, uh, which is the the fish in the fish tank that sees her reflection and thinks that's her her sister, um, and thinks she's crazy. Like the sister and the reflection is crazy and like conversations that they have back and forth. And it's just it's just such a great character, side character. The entire fish tank is, you know, one of the best parts of Finding Nemo yeah. because of all of those different types of characters. And Deb and Flo is one of them that I really like. And I think that she is hilarious. Eva, any characters besides Woody, because Chris just took it, that are <laughs> not on this bracket, but that you think might have missed the dance? I definitely think I was watching Bugs Life the other day, and that oh. movie is hilarious. Yes, it is. Flick, come on. He is just so. I love him. I love Flick. But there was this one specific character that I immediately was like, this guy is insane. Hilarious. Molt. Hopper's oh, yeah. little brother. He's hilarious. He was talking about. Remember when the bird almost attacked you? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. It's like, oh, that one, he just, but his mouth just runs. He runs his mouth so much. And Hopper's just had enough of him. He's like, if it weren't for mother (laughs) on her her deathbed, if I didn't promise not to kill you, I would kill you. (laughs) You know, so, and he's just like, come on, you know. So Molt for sure, I think, is uh, an underrated character for humor. And I mean, Flick too. He's hilarious. A poor guy. He just gets... (laughs) He's just trying to help and he just can't, he can't help but be himself. Be yep. this like extremely clumsy guy who just ruins everything on accident. And uh, so those are my two, both from the same movie, Bugs Life. We've got our Miss the Dance. Let's go ahead and jump into this bracket. Let's announce our field of 16. Cue the dramatic music. And let's get started. Rolling in with one eye at the one seat is Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc. It's not hard to forget the number two seed from Finding Nemo. It's Dory. Banning capes around the world is our number three seed. It's Edna Moat from The Incredibles. Send in the clowns for the number four seed from A Bug's Life. It's P.T. Flea. Feeling intense and loving her friends at the five seed is Abby from Turning Red. The number six seed oughta put a cork in it. From Toy Story, it's Ham. Getting her done at the seven seed is Mater from Cars. Coming in at number eight is a beautiful butterfly. From A Bug's Life, it's Heimlich. Harassing positions of authority at the nine seed is Mr. Potato Head from Toy Story. Coming in at the number 10 seed, she's got broads in Atlanta. From Turning Red, it's May. 
<laughs> oh man. <laughs> Feeling anxious at the 11 seed is Fear from Inside Out. Grumbling her way to the 12 seed from Monsters Inc., it's Roz. Mocking the competition at the 13 seed is the School of Fish from Finding Nemo. A heart-stopping performance at the number 14 seed from Luca, it's Uncle Ugo. Making Mother Teresa cry at the 15 seed is 22 from Seoul. And rounding out the bracket at number 16, no bones about it, from Coco, it's Hector. Eva, we've got our 16 Funniest Pixar characters here. Any uh, standout favorites? Any maybe overrated seeds on here? I love Mr. Potato Head. Oh? Yeah, you guys already see Toy Story. It just gets me mad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That guy is hilarious. Also, he's just extremely sarcastic. And that one joke, I don't know if you guys... (laughs) I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Uh... He takes his lips, you know, to oh, backside. Yes. That that killed me when I first saw it as a non-kid, as like, you know, an older person. I was like, what just happened? <laughs> how did this, like, how did this get into this movie? So also, it's like, I remember watching that as a kid. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. But now I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so he's just savage for that. And like Wazowski too. I love Mike Wazowski. Uh, laughed at him so much as a kid. So those are like, like the ones that stand out to me. The um, Mr. Potato Head kiss ass part brought the house down when I saw <laughs> a Toy Story at the Symphony a couple weekends ago. Like it's just like a silent moment and the entire auditorium erupted. And I forgot that part was even in the film. It got so good. So good. Yeah. Yes, Mr. Potato Head there at the middle of the bracket. We'll see how far he can go. But let's get into this uh, discussion here with the number one, Mike Wazowski versus the number 16, Hector. Um, Mike Wazowski. I feel like we haven't really done much of a, like, a character profile on Mike. Not really, no. You know? um, but you know him, you love him. He's the little green ball with one eye from Monsters, Inc. He's Sully's best friend. And he's kind of, oddly enough, like the straight guy in the in the comedy pair, it feels like, where he he is not the one with his head in the clouds. I feel like Sully is that. Sully has found this uh this child and wants to get this child back, but in the reality of Monsters Inc. and of Monstropolis, of the Monsters universe, that's unheard of. That is that is bonkers. And so Mike is grounded in this monster reality and all he wants to do is achieve his objective of them being the top scarers. And yet he has to go on this wacky adventure with Sully to make sure that this kid gets home. And that's kind of what makes him funny. Uh, I like Pixar characters. Uh, I like, I mean, any character that I find funny is often the one that either knows they're being funny or is really, really smart about their, their humor and their wit. And I feel like Mike fits in a lot of little quips, especially when he's talking to Sully. And those moments are always super funny. Obviously, he's a character who enjoys comedy. He becomes, he turns the the Monsters Inc. Uh, factory into a, a comedy floor instead of a scare floor, and so he becomes a stand up comedian. So there, there you go. He's a funny guy. 
we get a whole scene of him making a kid crack up and it's mostly because he swallows his microphone and then burps it back up. So it's, uh, you know, a little, little bathroom, little potty humor for us from Mike. But he also has great, great moments like uh, Sully when he first finds Boo tells Mike, hey, Mike, this might sound crazy, but I don't think that kids are dangerous. And Mike's like, really? Well, in that case, let's keep it. I've always wanted a pet that could kill me. It's those kind of quips that I love, especially in like a in a buddy type film where you have somebody who is just like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? And researching this, uh, I don't I'm sure that this is like a, you know, plot hole that has been brought up in the in on the Internet. But there is a quote where Mike says that Sully's been jealous of his good looks since fourth grade, but wasn't it established that they met in college, like in the sequel later? The timeline's gotten messy <laughs> over the years. Pixar wanted to invest so hard into the Monsters universe, but messed up that one timeline and said, screw it, give him a Disney Plus show. Meh. It's over. It's over. So Mike's funny, but I think that he's a little overrated on this bracket. I think Mike at a one seed on a funniest Pixar bracket is, I th- I think there's some folks in the middle of this bracket that could take the one seed, to be honest. So he's not my favorite one seed, but he's he's funny as it is. 16 Hector from Coco. Uh, you know, it's it's Miguel's dad, essentially, or, or grandpa, essentially. Uh, he is funny because throughout his he's he's a scammer he's a he's a trickster he's mischievous and a lot of that kind of stumbling mischievousness is what comes off as funny for us as the audience uh his whole you know dressing up as frida to get through the the customs of the land of the dead is a funny bit and him having connections to frida is a, a funny callback during the film um he also is kind of a quick talker and quick talkers can be they can be funny. You see that all over this bracket with folks like Ham and Mr. Potato Head and those that are just kind of quick on his feet with their quips. And I feel like Hector does that quite often. And then you you love to see that he gets redeemed at the end. You know, he, you, he's not just this funny character that is there for, for gags and laughs, but he ends up, you know, becoming the, the lovable grandpa that we all wanted to see. But in this matchup, I think that, uh, you know, we just get a lot more humor, a lot more moments out of Mike Wazowski. Uh, and I think that he is going to take down Hector in this first round for me. Yeah, You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't revisit Coco a whole lot um, other than the listening to the music aspects of it. So I'm not super familiar with everything that Hector does in Coco. But, you know, in just like thinking about him and looking back... Um, I don't really think of him as a funny character. I think of him as kind of a sad character because he's like, in the first half of the movie, he's like a bum, right? He yep. like doesn't have, he's a uh, va- vagrant nomad, uh, doesn't know anyone, has no one cares about him, and he's just trying to scam some little kid into helping him out. And that's not super funny. No. And then in the end, and then in the end, it turns out he was like murdered and has been <laughs> deprived of of like a family life that he deserves for eternity, and that's really sad and not funny at all. So, like, I'm sure he has his little moments in Coco, 
Um, but I, if I'm thinking about that character as a whole, I don't, I don't know that I'm remembering him as being very funny. So I'm going to agree and go with Mike Wazowski in the first round here. Eva, do you agree with that? I do also because, yeah, I, I really agree with what you're saying about uh, Hector. Yeah, he's he's more desperate. And then that just brings out this like, you know, crazy uh, side of him, silly guy. He's just trying to make his way through the land of the dead into, you know, to go see his family. And obviously, yeah, there's a reason why he's not on the ofrenda. And that's why he's, you know, struggling so hard. Um, but yeah, it's just a struggle and desperate situation for him you know so it is i mean he's he's a funny guy silly guy um but i think for sure mike wazowski uh kind of takes this all right so let's move on to the next matchup it's the number eight seed heimlich versus number nine mr potato head what what a matchup this is this is a good one i like this a lot um, let's talk about Germans real quick. Um, <laughs> okay, let's hop in. <laughs> uh, Heimlich is like a, a German a caricature. Um, right. And Germans were the bad guys in at least two world wars. <laughs> uh, s- uh, sorry, gen- Gentile Germans were the bad guys in at least two world wars. Yep. And because of that, like, you can pretty much make fun of Germans until the end of time like <laughs> right. they they've just been relegated to like it's fair game you know yep. and often when you think about like German culture it seems very like hardened mm. um it's beer and pretzels and sausages <laughs> and and loud music and uh rugged countryside Deep yep. forests. Yep. And and being super aggressive in like world conflicts. Yep. Um, and so Heimlich is is sort of the opposite of that. So <laughs> so and that's what's funny is the irony. He's speaking with this German accent that that you often associate with like this this sort of aggressive attitude. Um and and instead he's he's very um fancy. I don't mm-hmm. know, that might be kind of the best word to use but um he's a softy yeah um he's he's very emotional um things that you don't think of when you think of like a stereotypical german i guess right um so there's definitely some some comedy there like just in the way that he talks Mm -hmm. um and but then like kind of on top of that he's a he's a bug and like bugs live in the dirt and bugs are gross. <laughs> yeah. And so, like there's a whole joke about, you know, they go to the bar and someone orders a poo-poo platter and it's literally poo-poo. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, like that's the world that Heimlich occupies. So seeing this caterpillar who is uh, a f- kind of like doesn't like dirt and grime and like sweat and that kind of stuff, double funny. And then on top of that, even still, Heimlich is a caterpillar. Right. And caterpillars are technically babies. And so he, <laughs> he's like, he's sort of infantile in that way. Um, but he has the size of a, of a giant caterpillar right. because he eats so much, which makes sense because caterpillars need food to metamorphosis. Metamorphose? 
Met- Met- metamorph. Uh, here we go. Back to science land we go. Um, so like his character makes sense and doesn't all at the same time. Yep. Um, and he's always good for a you know a one liner here and there. Um, and in a group dynamic, he's he's kind of the. You know, I hate to say it, but he's like kind of like the Olaf, you know, like you'll mm. you'll cut to him and he'll drop a, a line or something like that. Uh, commenting on the situation in a comical way. Mr. Potato Head. Mr. Potato Head's a little bit different. Um, Mr. Potato Head's definitely like one of the more. I don't know how to say this bad guy characters in, in all of the Toy Story movies. He's like the. The one that tends to make things difficult more than anyone. <laughs> like he, he's he's not super sympathetic. Um, he doesn't love working as a team. Nope. Um, he's quick. He's very quick to accuse. Um, and he has a way of talking that is very like it's scary. He's like the neighbor <laughs> that you do you don't want to like walk on his lawn because he's gonna yell at you. And just just the way that he talks is very like whoa. Yeah. Okay. Um and I'm not going to lie. I think I think I probably think Mrs. Potato Head is funnier than Mr. Potato Head. I have Mrs. that Pot- in my notes that actually Estelle Mrs. Harris. Potato, fantastic. Mrs. Costanza so yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> but that's only but like that she part of the reason she's funny is because he is so like prickly. Right. And it's the it's the dynamic between the two that is really funny. So like Mr. Potato Head on his own you know, I'm not really getting all of the funny stuff. Um you know, like I'm I'm just trying to think about him in Toy Story 1 kind of like just just by himself um, when he's when he's in the big group and and the the issue is buzzing Woody getting home like he's all the ones saying like you know woody has got to go we don't like woody yeah and and that's not very funny like that as the audience who is supposed to be sympathizing with woody we're kind of like nah i don't like that at all his his aggressiveness (laughs) is not funny in this situation it's only funny when he's disarmed by his wife mrs potato head Hmm. Uh, that's that's kind of when that's kind of when the character uh, starts working for me a lot. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes he's forced to sort of be a little bit soft, um, and and that kind of like uh, irony is is good. There is a there is um a, a movie where he puts on his angry eyes. Is that in the second movie? Yep, and he puts his shoes on his face instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's Mrs. Potato Head, right? She's like putting stuff into his little back pocket. Yeah. She's like, don't forget your angry eyes. Yep. Toy Story 2. And too. then she, she's like, and here's a cheese puff in case you get hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the more, I'm th- the more I'm talking this out, the more like Mrs. Potato Head is the potato head to ah. have here. Heimlich got his own attraction <laughs> in California Adventure. All right. <laughs> and it is an absolute riot from beginning to end. And I wish that it still lived on to this day. I'm going Heimlich here oh, for wow. sure. I, I see what you're saying about uh, Mrs. Potato Head being funnier because I agree with that. But 
I think that you're selling Mr. Potato Head short. Mr. Potato Head in the group of toys is like the class clown. He's the one that's causing issues for the ones that are trying to make things happen. And while that is annoying as we sympathize with Woody and Buzz, um, especially as they get lost in that first film, he also has so many funny quips and actions and just weirdness about him that I think is hilarious. Uh, Eva brought up that he, when Woody's hosting the staff meeting uh, and Slink is saying something, he does the like, takes his lips off and has it kiss his butt motion to the rest of the group. Uh, when Buzz shows up and uh, Mr. Potato Head goes, how come you don't have a laser, Woody? And Woody's like, it's not a laser. It's a little light bulb that blinks. Mm-hmm. And Ham goes, what's with him? Mr. Potato Head goes, laser envy, which is such a good adult <laughs> joke for those in the audience. Like Woody having laser and uh, envy because there's a new dude on the block. Fantastic. We've... For whatever reason, specifically in the last like six months, we've brought this exact scene up multiple times, but it's the scene when all of the kids arrive to Andy's birthday party and they start giving them gifts and the Sarge is reading it over the, the baby monitor and he's like, it's bed sheets. I repeat, it's bed sheets. And Potato Head's like, who invited that kid? These little one-liners and quips are so, so funny. And then you get the pairing with Mrs. Potato Head. That was what softened him. Like he needed Mrs. Potato Head to stop being so brash and being so aggressive and rude. And so he starts lightening up a little bit uh, throughout the rest of the movies, all the way into him going along with team activities, like in Toy Story 3, when he has to become the tortilla. And in fact, in that, he says, I feel so healthy. I hate it. Another funny line. Like, I think he's I think he's actually pretty hilarious. Heimlich's funny, too. I think it does lean into more so the irony of the accent than the actual character himself. He ha- gets himself into funny situations when they are trying to save... Uh, what's the... Dot. Save Dot from the bird towards the beginning of the film. And they use Heimlich as bait. And he gets stuck in the cracks of the riverbed <laughs> because he is too big. Very funny, but it's more so because he's such a a big caterpillar. His one-liners are very Olaf-ish. He even makes a poo-poo platter joke. He Or a poo-poo joke anyways. He calls the flies that are cat-calling France's poo-poo heads. Because they literally are. They're flies. (laughs) They're all poo-poo heads. Yeah. (laughs) Don't listen to them. They're all poo-poo heads. Uh, And he, yeah, you're right. He is like a toddler. And he's literally a clown. His job in the circus is a clown. So, and... I don't know that he really realizes that he is the clown because he is a toddler. In this matchup, I'm going Mr. Potato Head. I think Mr. Potato Head is actually funny with purpose. I think that the things that he says are funny. He's a roaster. I like that about him. I just don't see Heimlich being actually that hilarious, especially in a in a film where there's so many other characters that are funnier than him, in my opinion. So I'm going Mr. Potato Head. Eva, what you got? You guys made some really great points, and I agree with a lot of them. Um, I I love Heimlich. I love Mr. Potato Head. So this is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, Mr. Potato Head's just, like, aggressive. Like you said, he's aggressive. And uh, I just, every time I watch Toy Story, and not because it's my favorite film, like, trust me, 
I I just enjoy, yeah, those little one-liners. His, like, his confidence in himself, too. He just has so much, like, you know, he brings that up, right? So, um, but then there's time, like, yeah, he's just this goofy guy who just loves to eat and, like, you know, just relate to that so much. So, no, but I love Mr. Potato Head's humor um, because, I mean, now that we're adults, we can relate to it so much now. <laughs> it's just even more funny. So, if I were to hang out with either Mr. Potato Head or Heimlich, I feel like I'd have a more enjoyable time with Mr. Potato Head. So, I think I'm going to go with Mr. Potato Head on this one. All right. Wow. Mr. Potato Head. I'm disappointed in you. Oh, you thought I was going to go Heimlich? <laughs> I love Heimlich. <laughs> I think he's a uh, the most he he'll win the most endearing Pixar character bracket. How about that? Because he is very endearing, but I don't think he's the funniest. I think he's pretty funny. <laughs> All right, let's go on to this next matchup. It's number four, PT Flea versus number thirteen, School of Fish. Chris, we got the the classic Ratzenberger matchup here right off the top. Brutal. Did they meet up in the last bracket, the Ratzenberger bracket? No. Uh, I don't think so. They must have been on opposite I, sides. Of I the think they were on opposite sides. Okay. So I don't really want to spend a ton of time diving back into these characters. We don't, yeah, we don't really we, need to. We did an entire bracket on these two. So go listen to that John Ratzenberger bracket. That was a good one. Um, but P.T. Flea, ring leader of the Bug Circus and Bug's Life, School of Fish, this side character, side side quest of a character for Marlin and Dory on their adventure in Finding Nemo. P.T. Flea is one of those relatable humors, again, where it's the, the dude who has his eyes set on what needs to happen, but there's so much chaos around him that he gets frustrated. And out of his frustration comes a lot of his humor when he's trying to talk with the stick bug about going out and he does the iconic line you're a clown of course you're funny uh school of fish their whole bit is to roast and mock marlin as they're talking and so that short bit is one of the funnier parts of finding nemo we talked very very in depth on that one as well in this matchup i i just i said it in the ratzenberger i just love pt flea and I love how frustrated and easily ignitable he is. And the the hotter the head, the funnier the dude becomes. School of Fish are funny and they're clever, but their funniness also comes out of the roasting of Marlin. And it's only a couple of times. Most of the time, it's, it's them being creative with the way that they're playing charades with Dory. So I'm going to go P.T. Flea here, Chris. I, I love P.T. Flea's little mustache. I think that is pretty funny. And and yes, I, I agree that a lot of the yelling um, and frustration that comes out of P.T. Flea is quite funny. But I'm someone, and this is what makes this, this bracket so hard, because funny is different for everyone. You know, and I'm going to be flipping, find and I'm going to be flopping, and I'm going to be going back and forth on what I say is funny. You know, like I said, we were talking about Miss the Dance. Yep. Real realism is funny to me, mm-hmm. and PT Flea is extremely realistic in a lot of ways. However, with realism also comes some subtlety, and sometimes just being subtle with your humor really just goes a long way with me. 
Uh, it is it is very common to find me in a movie theater being the only person who laughs at something. Yeah. And it's it just the most random, small acting choice. I will just love it. So P.T. Flea is not very subtle, is what I'm trying to say. Sure. <laughs> so um, that kind of like roast energy that you're talking about with the school of fish. Um, <clears throat> in real life, I don't, I don't really love like the concept of roasting and like, yeah, let's do a whole comedy central special where like everyone just gets up on the microphone and says really rude things about people. Like, I don't, I don't know that that kind of humor is, um, like funny to me. Um, but the school of fish definitely feels a little bit more real. Um, and their humor feels a little bit, a little bit more subtle. So I do think that it's funnier. So I'm going to advance the school of fish in an upset. So this we got another tiebreaker here. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> this bracket's good. Uh, school of fish. School of fish. They they're good at what they do. I mean, it caught me off guard that they were going to be doing that when I first watched the movie. Mm-hmm. So I was laughing a lot about that. But also, I felt bad for Marlon because he's like, you know. You know, you he's looking for his son. This poor guy. <laughs> he's crossing the whole entire ocean to find his son. And then these guys are just mocking him left and right. Like, honestly, I mean, for me, yeah, that's... But they don't know that, right? So it's sad. Oh, well, it's funny, but it's sad. But um, then there's P.T. Flea. I, I love that guy. I love Bugs Life. P.T. Flea, I mean, he is chaotic. He's desperate as well also because he just wants to make money you know he's like i want this to be successful i want this to work i want my circus to work yeah his chaos and it just drives him to be funny i mean this idea that he have like you guys could just burn me i could take a day off to heal and you guys could burn me again you know right like (laughs) who just thinks that oh always scheming so yeah oh man school of fish or pt flea I think if another fish were to come by, you know, on, with the school of fish, I'm pretty sure that they would do the same thing, right? They'd keep that going, although P.T. Flea would be, like, chaotic as well. But I think the school of fish, and I love P.T. Flea, don't, don't get me wrong, but I think the school of fish, they've most likely done that before, you know, <laughs> and they're good at it. So I think... I'm going to go with the school of fish on this one. All right. All right. They do say that they were like, we rehearsed. So they have practice. Exactly. See, so they're, they've, they've been waiting for that moment. <laughs> Professional moment comedians. To shine. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the next matchup. Number five, Abby from turning red versus number 12, Roz from monsters, Inc. So Kyle, Abby is the small, tiny, round one, right? Correct. That's Abby? Okay. Yep. So, Turning Red um, is pretty fresh in my mind. We just did a review on it, um, and obviously it's the newest of these Pixar movies. Um, and I'm not really sure what the like general consensus on this movie is. Uh-huh. Like if people like it or not, I haven't really been hearing a lot of people talking about it, but I also haven't really been paying very close attention to (laughs) 
to the dialogue. I have seen a lot of people like um, pointing out that the reviews are kind of being like uh, brigaded or whatever, where people are like writing bad reviews on it for like reasons that don't have anything to do with the movie. Yeah. What do you have either of you heard anything like, is this a movie that's liked or not liked? I've gotten the pulse that it's very well liked and that the bad reviews are just what you said are on more of like the subject of the film as opposed to the film itself, or at least, you know, some of the themes of the film and how folks disagree with it on a, I guess, ideological standpoint. Like, I I don't know. I I disagree with them, obviously, but uh, that's what I've seen is that the general consensus is that this was a really good film um, from folks that I've seen online. And then the ones that hate it, hate it because it talks about like puberty and stuff. Mm. Eva, have you seen Turn in Red? I actually have not. And I was, I know, I know, I have not seen it yet. But um, (laughs) my cousins, when I was in LA recently, they were, it's funny because all the boys were watching it. Um, Mm. And I'm going to tell you, we were, it was, we were talking at the living room table and then, you know, there's uh, the couch and they were watching it. The whole time we were just talking, you know, they were laughing their butts off constantly laughing, like hysterically laughing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I don't know why I wasn't watching the movie with them. <laughs> um, but they loved it after a while. I asked them, I was like, how about, did you guys like it? And they were like, that was a great movie. They loved it. <laughs> so they loved it. Um, same. Yeah. This consensus where people are just kind of like, it's inappropriate when right. really it's like, well, if you put that aside, even though it's like irrelevant, put that aside <laughs> and the movie was good. So I'm excited to watch it. Um, yeah, it's, it is. I mean, I know I haven't seen it, but it is a good movie from what I hear. So, so, um, Abby <laughs> is, is, uh, one of the, one of the four, young girls who are like the core subject of the movie. Yep. And she definitely, I would say is, is the most, I mean, we keep coming back to this word for some reason, these Pixar movies intense. She's like, she's so intense. She has, I mean, I know that like may turns into a giant Panda when she is emotional, but like, uh, Abby baby somehow has even less of a control over her reactions (laughs) than, than may does. Yeah, you're um, not wrong. It's like, you know, everyone will be talking at a completely normal level in the scene. And then all of a sudden Abby starts screaming, um, directly into the camera. <laughs> and, um, I, I just like, it was like 30 minutes into the movie. And I was like, if this was like, it, this, this is like the Kate McKinnon character or like, oh, this is like a, this is like the Adam Sandler character where like, they're just be, be as goofy as you can be in a kind of as the most obnoxious way as you can be. Mm. Uh, and, um, again, it's a type of humor that I don't particularly enjoy, but I will acknowledge that a lot of people do think that that kind of, uh, very sporadic, sudden burst of comedy um, is funny. It's surprising to say the least. And and maybe that's what makes it funny to some people. I will say, I will also acknowledge, and this is something that we talked about in our Turning Red review, sure, yeah. that stylistically, 
Uh, there are there are some roots in anime um, and manga with turning red, and so <laughs> when you're like reading a comic book or a graphic novel or whatever, emotions can change like from frame to frame very quickly, and so I think that it was kind of trying to replicate that. Thousand percent. Uh, so it's it's not accidental like it was very intentional that the way that they chose to kind of like time abby's comedy yep yep across the board i i do think that it's really funny when the characters from turning red their eyes like change Um, like you would find in an anime they get super glittery and glossy and watery and like um their emotions just are kind of caricatured for just like a split second um it is uh, wild but it's it's funny too if you're you know ready for it i guess I'm not sure I was every time that it happened, but. <laughs> and so it's interesting that Abby is going up against Roz, who is, again, the opposite of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Roz is just completely monotone. And she is um, grumbling yep. and groveling and nagging. Um, and the comedy comes from her being this very serious character in a very colorful world that is quite zany. I think for, for me, Roz is kind of like potato head where I think the, the thing that makes Roz funny is that she's put up against Mike Wazowski. Hmm. Mike Wazowski is a, a very emotional main character who is a uh, very frantic at times and needs things to happen fast. And Roz is this very realistic person who is uh, trying to jam him up. And so the, the situation is the comedy more so than Roz herself is the comedy. Yeah. Uh, so while I don't particularly enjoy Abby's brand of comedy, I would say she is a funnier character than Roz. So I'm going to advance Abby. Yeah. Roz is definitely put into situations that are funny because she is so straight and narrow and arguably her funniest moments come in the monsters Inc like blooper reel in the credits where she is constantly popping into scenes that she's Mm -hmm. not supposed to be in. And that surprises the characters on screen. So, I mean, that's just because it's unexpected that this monotoned, very serious person would be in be pulling pranks on the other cast members. And it's yeah, her her voice is funny, her monotoneness is funny. But I think that Abby's character is hilarious. When I was lucky enough to see it in theaters, and when I was watching it, I couldn't help but continue to see all the subtle things that Abby was doing throughout the film like she's it wasn't just that she pops in and screams it's she's doing all these subtle movements that are so intense and like she keeps it up kind of like the the Heimlich irony where this movie is focused on the high emotions of a girl going through puberty and how the more intense the emotion, the more dangerous her 
the closer to transforming into something she's not, she gets. But Abby is literally just on 100 the entire time. And yet she's not changing form. She's not becoming anything but herself. And I think that plays into the messaging in the film, especially with each of the friends. Each of the friends have their own sort of like intensity level in some sort of direction. Or at least uh, they they skew to the higher part of some sort of spectrum for each of their character. But Abby is just like literal, like attentive intensity. But she also does have some funny like one-liners in there too, where she's not just like screaming or catching a dodgeball with her teeth. She, when uh, May is speaking to her Tamagotchi on the bleachers that they are going to go see Four Town that night and uh, May's Tamagotchi is going to be able to meet its dad, which are one of the Four Town guys in, in, her, bear. in her tween mind. Uh, Abby goes, and your uncles. <laughs> and I think that's absolutely hilarious. Her different expressions. I loved the anime expressions and the way that they helped to tell the story. Because you're right. When on paper, these expressions have to be shown in these exaggerated ways. And so she kind of fits that anime trope. And I loved when she would do it because she did it the most out of everybody. And I think sticking to that intensity level where she's not just popping into scenes and screaming, but she's actually has quips, has a character line that is funny. Uh, I like it a lot. So I'm going to also move along, Abby. Uh, Eva, you haven't watched Turning Red yet, so I'm not too sure that <laughs> you have a take on Abby. But what do you think about uh, her moving on here? I mean, from what I'm hearing, 100%. I think that's good. And... <laughs> I just, well, Roz, I never liked Roz uh, from when I was a kid until now. I mean, she's kind of this, like, really just, like, boring character to me. I mean, I guess that's just me, like, from what I used to view her when I was young. Um, but, I mean, she is she is funny. Uh, but I just, I never really liked Roz. Uh, and so, yeah, I think... You guys made a great decision here, even though I haven't watched the movie yet. <laughs> but I'm very excited to watch it. So, All right, let's hop across the bracket. We're going to be talking about the number two Dory from Finding Nemo versus the number 15, 22 from Soul. Chris, can I make a prediction about you in this bracket right now and what you, what you okay. probably don't like? You probably don't like cutaways and flashbacks as a vessel for humor uh you're gonna have to give me an example because all, all i'm thinking all of family of, guy, all, all family guy. <laughs> i was literally gonna say are you talking about the family guy literally um, all family guys humor uh I, I when i was a little kid i liked family guy but like as I started to recognize the formula for Family Guy. I stopped thinking it was very funny. Okay. Most of 22's humor comes in the form of flashbacks and cutaways. I don't know if you were able to revisit any part of this film for this bracket, but there's her whole shtick is that she cannot have a mentor soul to get her prepared to go into the world. So she's stuck in the soul world, causing chaos and making mentors like Mother Teresa cry 
and giving up on her so that she can stay in this soul world. So she's throughout her time with Joe, she's bringing up instances of other mentors. And then we cut to a scene Mm. of her interacting with that mentor. Now, a lot of the time, it's actually absolutely hilarious because they do choose the most random people to like cut back to. Uh, One example is she's walking past a sign, I believe, that's or uh, like a hero cart. Uh, And she's like, oh, man, heroes. That reminds me of that's the segue to a cutaway Mm. of uh, the conversation I had with Archimedes. And Archimedes is trying to tell her how to pronounce hero. And she's refusing to say it correctly to make him mad in that back and forth. So that's one of the examples. But she does it with a bunch of them. Uh, Mother Teresa, they cut back to, to Mother Teresa saying like, I'm usually patient and and accept all, but I'm not accepting you. Like all of those kind of make the the character that we think we know turn because of what 22 has done. And that's mostly, that's basically her entire shtick. There's some times where she's a little bit abrasive with Joe when she Joe returns her to like the Soul Academy uh, and the Soul guy is like, no, you have to take her. And she's all melted. She whispers to him, I'm going to make you wish you had never died, which is funny, <laughs> obviously, because they are dead. And that's not usually what you say. Wish you were never born. But this is wish you never died. So she has some one liners, but most of it comes in the form of cutbacks. I will say that I don't remember what I said about her in our soul recap, but Upon revisiting, she's not as annoying as I remember her being. The humor that comes from her are the scenarios that she's in. She's never actually being funny. We see the frustration in her mentors a lot. We see her being mean to Joe, which sometimes can be funny. But those multitude of cutbacks. I'm talking, we go back to Abraham Lincoln. We go back to uh, Muhammad Ali. We go back to Mother Teresa. There's so many that we keep going back to. And it's them being the funny one. It's them cracking. And that's that's the humor. Up against Dory, who I also don't think deserves to be this high on the bracket. Because we are laughing at Dory <laughs> the entire time. Not necessarily with her. She's we're, we're laughing at her confusion the entire film. Sometimes it's, you know, she does funny, cute things like mispronouncing words or not remembering things or speaking to a baby jellyfish like it's like it's a, a little tiny little tiny baby but most of the time it's the fact that she can't remember anything that's that's the bit that she holds on to the entire time and while it's funny it's hard to be like yep dory's funny dory herself is funny no she's living her life most of the time <laughs> and her confusion is funny so this matchup is really interesting because uh, I uh, I don't know. I just don't really care too much about either of these characters. But I guess I, you know, I might just go with the higher seed here. I think I'm just going to go with Dory. I'm going to do that because I definitely remember thinking that she was very funny as a kid. I don't think that I would imagine 22 being very funny as a kid because a lot of the characters, it's like, unless you're an adult, you probably don't know who they are. And the cutback formula is probably funnier for, for adults anyways than it is kids. Dory, 
gets giggles out of everybody. I'm going to go with the number two <laughs> here reluctantly. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think you could make a strong case for a baby Dory being number two on this bracket. Interesting. Baby Dory. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think these characters sort of profile very similar. As a matter of fact, hmm. they're both sort of like complicating factors to our sort of straight edged, straight edged. <laughs> Joe's not straight edge. <laughs> um, straight laced heroes. Um, uh, a complication for a straight laced heroes to get uh, what they're after. Um, so so they're, they are very similar, but I, I do think I get uh, more of a kick out of Dory's sort of cluelessness than 22's sort of maliciousness. Sure. Uh, so, so I'm going to agree with you and send Ellen DeGeneres on to the next round. Um, Eva, <laughs> do you agree with us here? Sending Dory on. <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. Um, 22 is a character. I mean, yeah, I think I agree with Kyle with what you said when uh, you probably wouldn't understand the cutbacks if you were a kid. Um, Dory, yeah. I remember seeing kids' reactions uh, when we would put on uh, Finding Nemo, and yeah, they just cry. She's like apparently just hilarious <laughs> to kids, so I agree with that. <laughs> All right, next up we've got number seven, Tomater from Cars versus number ten, May from Turning Red. He he's here. He's finally <laughs> he's arrived onto a Mouse Madness bracket. Uh, he's made it. Larry the Cable Guy as Tomater and Cars, yep. Kyle's favorite movie featuring his favorite Disney song, Life is a Highway. Of all time. Um, yeah, this is, this is interesting because we, there are a lot of great comedians, honestly, on this bracket. You've got sure. Billy Crystal. You've got Ellen DeGeneres. You've got uh, Don Rickles. Bill Hader. You've got Bill Hader. You've got John Ratzenberger. Um, you've got Sasha Baron Cohen and uh, <laughs> Tina Fey is 22, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and you've got uh, <laughs> Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. And like, sorry, you have to at least acknowledge the fact that there are a lot of people out there that do think Larry the Cable Guy is really funny. I can absolutely acknowledge that. Um, he is a household name for a reason. Like yep. he got to that peak, not by accident. Uh, people go to his shows and buy his CDs or whatever. Yep. Um, what was that show on comedy central? He was with Jeff Foxworthy and some other guys. It was like blue collar comedy yeah. hour or something. Yeah. Something like that. Um, that was a uh, like auto turn my TV off when, <laughs> when I was like, next channel. You know, 14 and that show would come on i'd be like what's what are they playing on spike tv because <laughs> this is this ain't it that being said i i have always been someone who is sort of a defender of tomater hmm. and and while larry the cable guy's humor can be uh, can feel sort of like base <laughs> in like its level of sophistication um, I find Tomater to be a character with a lot of heart and um, one that's very real, you know, like, listen, 
I know we all like to think that we're the smartest people in the room, um, but I think that it's important sometimes to like see the other people in the room and say, okay, that person might not have the same skills as me, or maybe not, might not be as intelligent about this thing as me, but they have value. You know, I can't be a PT flea in this situation and say, you're all morons. Yep. Like, you know, I have to be <laughs> able to see this person as being someone who is trying really hard and who deserves my respect as well. And like, that's why I really have a soft spot for Tomater. Um, but, but, but it's not <laughs> like nicest Pixar character, but sure. <laughs> Pixar character that makes me feel good. <laughs> this, we're talking about funny Pixar characters. You and, can meet Heimlich on the endearing, uh, bracket. And, and uh, Tomater, um, wanting to go tractor tipping because the tractors make a fart sound when they tip over. That's just not funny, man. Like that's just not that's just not comedy. It's not. It's not. Um Tomater laughing like a hyena because uh Lightning McQueen doesn't know how to be like a blue collar car. Right. Not funny. Not mm -hmm. productive to our story in any way either. <laughs> uh so. Mater is keeping the audience from going on their journey the entire movie. Yeah, not just lightning. That's exactly and the like, audience. There, there's this Justin Moore song, country artist, and the song is called Beta Hook. Um, and I don't know if you've heard this song, but it goes, he can't even beta hook. He can't even yes. scan a book. And it's yes. basically like a song from the point of view of this like super country, quote unquote, dude singing about how his ex has a new boyfriend who like, doesn't do know how stuff. to do all of the country stuff. And like, yeah. as someone who loves country music, but doesn't know how to do literally <laughs> any of the stuff that, that Justin Moore sings about in that song, I kind of like really, that really gets under my skin. The <laughs> idea that the idea that there is some like, um, subculture of like the blue collar life that has this like disdain towards like people that don't know how to do the stuff that people who live out of the country know how to do. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're better, we're better than you because of that. And like that <laughs> character is what shines through and Tomater in those comedic moments. Yep. So I really, really don't like it. May. Mm -hmm. I don't think May's is as funny as Abby is. No. Um, I think she is funny. Yeah. I don't think she's not, not funny. I don't think she's not funny. Um, she's not, not funny. Um, I, but I like, I, I don't think she's a super strong seed on this bracket, but I'm not going to advance Tomater. So <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I'm also definitely not advancing Tomater. I think that May carries a lot of that relatability factor. And arguably, I think that her representation of not only generational pressure, but pressure from parents is shown a lot better in this than our girl surface pressure in Encanto. Uh, so I like her here. I like a lot. I just love a lot about her and I will dive into it next episode. But Eva, um, character that has, you haven't 
seen yet moves on in the bracket and we'll dive in a little bit more and maybe we'll see if we can convince you that she should be here but are you a, a tomater fan yes <laughs> yeah he's he's all right i mean he's cute you know he he's a little he cute yeah he, 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 he cute that's it i'm done yeah <laughs> he, he cute <laughs> say no more perfect all right Let's move on to this next matchup. It's number three, Edna Mode versus number 14, Uncle Ugo. Dude, what a matchup right here. I love this matchup. Uncle Ugo. Luca's crazy, somewhat estranged uncle who shows back up to take him down to the depths of the ocean for summer because Luca's mom does not trust him and wants him to go live in darkness. Uh, Uncle Ugo is hilarious because... He feels like someone you know just turned up to 11. Mm-hmm. The way he speaks yeah. in just like one complete run-on sentence and doesn't stop is so funny. And Pixar does a really good job with his character for the very limited amount of time that he's on screen to stretch that run-on sentence for just too long. And that's what's so funny. Right when you think that he's gotten to his point, he continues on and on. I think he is just hilarious. And then the 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 end credit scene at the end of Luca, where he's doing the same thing, but now he's just doing it alone, just rambling on about how how great it is to live so deep in the dark, eating whale carcass. Hopefully, his he has a. He has not enough oxygen, so his heart doesn't stop because that was his issue when he was up at the top and Luca had to punch his heart to keep going. Um, It's just great. And of course, you brought up Sasha Baron Cohen is Uncle Ugo, which is also hilarious that they got him to sign on to read, what, six lines and let him be bizarre and make weird voices. It's great. Um, In that end scene, or no, when he's trying to convince Luca that being down there isn't all that bad. He goes, sure there, sure there it's dark, but there's nothing to see anyway. It's just you and your thoughts <laughs> and all the whale caucus you can eat. And he just like keeps going. It's hilarious. I love it a lot. Up against Edna Mode, who's just an animated icon. She is a she's a goddess. And where what makes her funny is how eccentric she is. She is the most. Her character is the most. Juxtaposed to the Parr family, who are supposed to be this like middle class but relatable family uh, going through family issues, but in a in a superhero way. And here's Edna Mode being, you know, this fashion icon who is dressing. Uh, models and has a funny accent to us and has this high tech, highly guarded uh, home and doesn't actually listen to our characters when they speak to her. She's always going to do what she wants to do. That's all funny. Uh, She, uh, her, obviously like her capes speech where she's making a point about why not to wear capes and Bob the entire time is like, I get it. 1984. And she keeps going. Very funny part of that film and of her character. The way that she describes things, calling uh, Bob's old suit that she made, but is now not up to date, a hobo suit. Um, the way that she talks about, 
you know, she's she's too good for supermodels. There's nothing super about them. Spoiled, stupid little stick figures with poofy lips who only think about themselves. I used to design for gods. She's just the way that she is so into not only herself, but her craft and does not allow the influences of the outside world in makes her funny because the world of everyone else on the outside seems to be crumbling every time that she <clears throat> comes in onto screen. So there's that, that kind of ironic humor there as well. I think that Edna Mode is probably one of my favorite Pixar characters because of her energy, her, her, her centric, confident, my way or the highway energy. But in this matchup, I just get a way bigger kick out of Uncle Ugo, who I wouldn't expect to want to move on here because he does play more of a cameo role. I guess Edna does as well. But with Uncle Ugo, he doesn't come on and just like fart on screen and leave. He has this bit that he sticks to. And I mean, maybe it's like word farting the way that he's like, yeah, he's kind like of his, his heart, um, his, his, his heart. He has a heart fart. Yeah. Okay. The heart. He has, fart, a, fart, yeah, for sure. he has, a, he has a fart attack. <laughs> Which is fine. Sure. Physical slapstick humor, but his, his rambling on, I just get a kick out of, I'm going to go with uncle Hugo. Well, the thing that I love about Uncle Ugo is that it's a very unique type of humor that we have on this bracket. You know, like we we get the the you know fabulous kind of energy from some of these other characters here. We get the like angry uh, energy from some of these other characters, but this sort of like um, clueless anti humor almost that is mm-hmm. the Uncle Ugo performance is just very refreshing. Um, and very unique. I think he's a standout character for sure. So I'm agreeing with you. A, a massive upset as Edna Mode goes down. Eva, do you agree with that? Uh, I do. I I love Edna Mode. She we used to laugh at her when we would watch Incredibles all the time. Uh, but I think once I saw Luca, I <laughs> I actually was laughing a lot. Yeah, when uh. Uncle Ugo came on screen. I was like, what the heck is this guy? And yeah, I mean, he kind of lost his mind a little too. So it makes him funnier. Yeah. Right? Because he's just alone in the depths. Like, <laughs> lost his mind. This guy's crazy, but also he's hilarious because it's just, and he's, yeah, I, yeah, I agree for sure. All right. We're on to the final matchup of the round of 16. It's number six, Ham versus number 11, Fear. It's another John Ratzenberger appearance here with the number six seed ham. And we talked about him a lot um, in our John Ratzenberger bracket. And he was the winner of our John Ratzenberger bracket, if I remember correctly. Yep. And part of the reason was because he was such a, a solid comedic presence in the Toy Story movies. He was definitely the voice of reason. He was sort of the smartest one in the room. Um, and kind of like how I was talking about with Woody, he's, he's, uh, rational in a room full of kind of craziness. Mm -hmm. He has skills outside of the toy realm. Dude can play video games. Dude can work (laughs) a remote control. 
dude, I guess maybe knows how to read. He picks up like an instruction manual or a game guide from the Toyota video game. car manual. And he's the like, I doubt he's that. getting this kind of mileage. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it all just seems to come from John Ratzenberger himself. Uh, just any, anything that guy does is funny. Uh, and, and ham is going up against fear, which, you know, this is, this is one of the problems with all of the main characters in Riley's head. They're all sort of just one note. They, they kind of have their one thing that they do. And if you don't think that it's funny or it's not productive, then there's no change in that. It's just, it's just what it is. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of some things that fear does in inside out. Doesn't he at one point get like the control master control panel and he just starts like wailing on buttons. Yeah. I feel like almost all of them do at one point and then anger moves him aside and makes, uh, Riley have that outburst at her parents. Yeah. Fear is definitely uh, kind of a, a skittish character. He he's obviously that's his name. He's afraid to do <laughs> he's anything. <afraid. laughs> so he's kind of the, he's like the Chucky Finster in the room. You know, oh, yeah. he, he never thinks it's a good idea to do stuff. He's he's definitely the scaredy cat. Um, and I don't and like that's it. You know. Uh, I, I, I love Bill Hader as a comedian, um, but I think that this character is a little bit too simple um, and his comedy is not um, unique or stylized enough for it to be a funny one note cameo because you look at an uncle Ugo and like, he doesn't have a lot of lines and he is kind of a small character, but he hits super hard. Um, And then you have a character like ham who has a much, much larger presence in the movie and he has opportunities to be funny but also to be real and mm-hmm. fear it's kind of it's here and there he's he's not in the movie enough to be real and he's not funny enough to be like uh uh you know one hit wonder punchline of some kind so yeah. i'm gonna have to go with ham here in a pretty easy advance Yeah, I'm going to agree with you ham definitely moves on here obviously fear is at the uh, disposal of like what you said, having a kind of one track personality because literally that's what he is. He is one feeling. He is the feeling of fear. And the entire comedic tone of him is to just throw in punchlines. And really all of the characters outside of like joy and sadness are really just saying these personality correct sort of lines that make us laugh example is riley's mom asking riley what her favorite trip to what was her favorite part about the trip to san francisco and in riley's head all of the the feelings say and answer anger says spitting out the window disgust goes definitely not when dad was singing and fear goes wearing a seatbelt. funny all three are funny but that's just it. Like that's all they contribute are these kind of one line bits of of like chuckles. It's not really even laughter. It's just kind of like, ha. Yeah, fear would be f- having fun with seatbelts. So I agree with you, Ham for sure. And one thing that we didn't bring up that actually you brought up in the Ratzenberger uh, bracket is John Ratzenberger as the mailman on Cheers. 
Well, let's dive even deeper, baby. John Ratzenberger as the mailman on Cheers in the Disneyland 35th anniversary special that was shown on TV. Crazy. (laughs) It was when I was when I was down and out with the vid. I was going through a lot of uh, YouTube videos and I was like, I don't think I've ever watched the Disneyland uh, anniversary special for the 35th. And it takes place. The the whole thing takes place in like the Cheers bar and they're watching the special happening on TV. Very interesting. But John Radzenberger's in there. Uh, So Ham is moving on. Eva, we have our Elite Eight. What do you think about the decisions that have been made so far? I like them. I like them a lot. I uh, also, <laughs> yeah. So when uh, I actually found out that uh, John Ratzenberger was the voice of Ham and like a bunch of other Pixar characters, uh, I was like, of course, that's why I like these characters so much because I used to watch Cheers and my dad all the oh. time. So, and I loved him. I loved his character. So uh, I was like, wow, well, no wonder. So yeah, uh, I love Ham. I actually strong, not strongly dislike. I just don't, I never liked Inside Out when I first watched it. I was like, well, I watched it one and done. That's it. Uh, I mean, Bing Bong is probably more funny than Fear. Come on. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, sorry, <laughs> we have to end this call. Sorry, I think your internet's going out. That so. was that was sarcastic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> no. Um, no, no, I just did not like that movie. Yeah. Um I don't know why it just kind of was bland to me so other than that i totally agree with everything that we all the characters even though the two from turning red um i trust you guys <laughs> i trust you guys <laughs> yeah and we'll we'll be able to talk more about them uh not only the turning red characters but two john ratzenberger characters next time we are looking at an elite eight that lines up like this it's the number one mike wazowski versus the number nine mr potato head down the brackets, number 13, School of Fish versus number five, Abby. Cross the brackets, number two, Dory versus the number 10, May. And rounding out the Elite Eight is number 14, Uncle Ugo versus number six, Ham. Eva, thank you so much for joining us on part one of this discussion. We look forward to having you back next time. Thank you. I'm so excited. All right, everyone, you know how to reach us. If you got something to say about these funny Pixar characters, did we miss one? Is there one funny Pixar character that we didn't talk about that you would like to ride super hard for? Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All of those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's gang at the $5 level, please head to patreon.com slash mouse madness and check out our turning red review. It's just one of two bonus episodes you get a month as a member of Jerry's gang. Till next time, folks, just keep swimming. I want to be like you.